Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, this is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. Uh, thank you for listening. This is a, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and uh, I'm glad to be here with Pastor Christian today uh, hosting uh, this podcast. We're in message four of the 10-week series called Chasing Perfection. And this next section of, of teaching from Matthew 5 is focusing on Jesus and marriage. Pastor Christian, you and I were married two months apart back in 1999. We attended each other's weddings. And man, when I see pictures, we looked so young nearly 22 years ago. I'll celebrate 22 in May and you'll celebrate 22 in July. Uh, how have you found your faith in Jesus to have strengthened and sustained your marriage over the years. Man, that was a long time ago. Long I mean, time when ago. I think back to, it's the Loretto, right? Yeah. Is that how you say it? The Loretto yeah. downtown. Danielle and I were headed somewhere a month or two ago um, and passed by it. Like, hey, that's where Holt got married. Um, and little Leslie uh, Snook, who's now Leslie Boswell, who yeah. leads worship at our church, um, man, just sang down the stars from the balcony every now and then. You know, I'll be sitting at church watching Leslie lead worship or um, doing something with you and Heather and just think, man, it, like it's hard to believe we've been doing life and ministry together uh, for 22 years. But, man, we've it's it's been really good. And, um, man, we've we've got a lifetime of memories of eternal um, impact in the yeah. lives of people, which is really, really cool. Um, how have I found my faith in Jesus to have strengthened and sustained um, my marriage over the years? I think the more I learn about the love of Jesus and the more I learn about how Jesus has loved me and the more I realize how much grace Jesus has shown me. Um, one, I, I see that in Danielle. I see, I see it in the way Danielle loves me, and I see it in the way that she is gracious to me, and I see it in the way that she is long-suffering and merciful with me. So I think I've I've learned a lot about Jesus by receiving what it so many times feels like the unconditional love of Danielle. And when I really blow it, Ryan, um, I don't count on Danielle's love for me saving our marriage. I count on Danielle's love for Jesus saving our marriage. And I, and I think it's the exact same way, um, with me when I, uh, when I see what I have done to Jesus and how much he loves me, there's nothing Danielle could do. There's nothing, there's literally nothing Danielle could do to wound me or betray my love the way that I have wounded and betrayed the love of Jesus over and over and over again. Um, yet he loves me, and Scripture tells me in Ephesians 5 to love Danielle the way that Jesus loves me. Um, and that's a that's a big, big statement. But when, when you try to say, listen, if you just love your wife, if you just love your husband the way that Jesus loves you, and if you are only as gracious and as merciful and as long-suffering and as forgiving as Jesus is towards you, towards your spouse, you'll you'll always have enough love. Uh, for a great marriage. So I think the more I've understood about Jesus and how he loves me, the more I've seen that type of love in Daniel towards me, 
the more I understand um, that really I I have to be the champion of Danielle's walk with Jesus. I have to create space for her to get alone and do ministry. I have to create space for her to get alone and be with Jesus through the Word and through prayer. I have to encourage Danielle to to be in a small group away from me. I have to encourage Danielle to go to pastors, wives retreats and women in ministry leadership retreats. I have to encourage Danielle to press into Jesus because that is the thing. Um, and, and I don't, I don't, I, I say this tongue in cheek, but the thing that probably gives me the widest birth to not be the best husband in the world is to push Danielle towards Jesus because if she loves him with all her heart, soul, mind and strength, Almost irregardless of what I do, she will love and be gracious to me too. Um, and, and I think the same thing for me. I stay close to Jesus so I can love Danielle better. I pray Danielle stays close to Jesus so she can love me better. Uh, honestly, scripture says Jesus is the one who teaches us what real love looks like. And if we can love like him and experience love like his, um, we can live in great relationships, married, single, um, with family, with friends, if we can learn to love like Jesus and be loved like Jesus, we can live in a lot of great relationships. Yeah, I think Heather and I over 22 years have learned that it's, it's, uh, it's Jesus who changes us. We, we're not successful at changing each other. You know, as much as we'd like to, as much as we'd like to say, we'll just, you know, change these things and you're fine. Um, as I allow God to change me and she does the same, uh, as she does the same, uh, we've been able to make it through and we're committed. I mean, right? Like the divorce word just doesn't enter our home. And it's because of the faith in Christ that's taught us, uh, to stay faithful and committed. So yeah, it's, it's great. And, uh, hopefully there'll be a day where we'll, maybe we'll tag team a 50 year anniversary, uh, bash. Yes. Yeah. Listen, man. <laughs> we'll get our walkers out. <laughs> yeah. If we're both alive, then we'll do yeah. it. Yeah. That would we'll be get fun. our, we'll play, we'll play. Listen, I, I'm in. I'm yeah. making a deal today. Yeah. If we're all still alive, yeah, yeah, we'll play wheelchair wheelchair pickleball. Yeah, that that would be awesome. That sounds fantastic. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> uh, in the first part of your message, uh, you say this: you say in a culture where lust is high and divorce is easy, marriage is sabotaged, and you talk about marriage is in trouble. Can you can you describe your passion to help people fight for their marriage? Yeah, Ryan. So, I mean, that's that is. Um, it's a great statement. In a culture where lust is high and divorce is easy, marriage is in trouble. Guess what? We live in a culture where lust is really, really high. It's almost unavoidable. I mean, it's almost unavoidable. Um, it's it's on so many billboards and on so many commercials and on so many ads that pop up on your phone. I mean, they beg you to lust. Um, and And divorce is easy. You don't even have to have a reason anymore. Your reason for divorce can be, I just don't want to be married. Um, in a culture where lust is high and divorce is easy, marriage is in trouble. So last year, for the first time in American history, um, there were more babies born to women under 30 who were single than who were married. Then the, let me say it again. So the first time in American history last year, um, there were more babies born to women under 30 who were single than women who were married. And man, we pray that all those are great single moms and, and probably a lot of those, uh, probably had to fight hard to keep their kids. So we, we acknowledge that. We honor that. We have an unbelievable, um, group of, of single moms in our church. So I'm not downplaying that in any way, but I'm saying all, all of a sudden, like ma- marriage is not what begins a family. Um, 
and more marriages fail than succeed. So you, you could say, and I could say, to any couple that we marry this year, you have a better chance of getting divorced and staying married. Because more than 50% of marriages end in divorce, where lust is high and divorce is easy. Marriage is in trouble. And, and marriage is in trouble. And you say, what, you know, why, why do I want people to fight for their marriages? Um, I think after doing student ministry for nearly a decade and just seeing the, the pain, um, and the heartache and the abandonment and the isolation, not, not that every divorce has, um, you look at, you look at divorces, um, that have great biblical grounds because a spouse is unfaithful. And in those cases, it, it is more emotionally damaging to stay in a marriage with an adulterous spouse than to leave. You look at marriages that are abusive in any way, physically, emotionally, or sexually. And in those, it would be more damaging to stay in the marriage than divorce. But you see so many kids and even husbands and wives of divorce. You just see how, um, man, it, it just chokes the soul. I mean, it just chokes the soul because when you're, when you're married, when, when you make a marriage commitment, it's the most vulnerable commitment that you can make. I mean, you're literally trusting another human being with your heart, soul, life, future, really with your identity, with your worth for so many people. And then to have someone say, I don't want you anymore, or I don't want that anymore. It takes a strong, strong faith and faith community to walk with people through a divorce. That's why one of the ministries we have at our church, Divorce Care, I love so much. I try anyone who's divorced, it's like, listen, you you really will have a difficult time loving and believing in yourself until you can move past this divorce. And then it and then it will help you have a hard time loving um and believing in, in, in anyone else. But so many people are divorcing now in their twenties, it's like you got a lot of life to live. So let's move forward um and get healthy. But but more than that, marriage um, marriage is, I think, the relationship that teaches us more about the gospel, more about Jesus, more about receiving love and giving love to broken people in a broken world that helps us understand how to receive love from Jesus as a broken person in a broken world than anything. And Ephesians 5 says, if you want to understand the mystery of the gospel, look at a great marriage. So for me, I, I fight for marriage because it's God's picture to the world of his love. Um and he doesn't give very many other illustrations. Like, he doesn't say, if you really want to know what my love is like, look at an athlete who really loves his sport, or, um, but look at a musician that really loves her craft, or look, you know, it's like, God says, if you want to know how I love people, look at a great marriage. So, I, I feel like if I can help people fight for great marriages, I can continue to give the world a picture of how God loves. So for me, there's a theological side. And there's a very practical side um, of of seeing. Uh, listen, marriage is hard. Divorce is harder. Um, marriage is expensive. Usually, divorce is more expensive. Um, and I tell most people who get divorced, the next person you meet and want to marry is is probably more jacked up than your current spouse right now. So you will just start the process over. So. Do you want to walk with the broken person that you've tried to love for the last five years? Or do you want to walk with the broken person that you meet five years from now? Either way, like, listen, either way, the brokenness is there. Um, and if there's not been a continuing unfaithfulness that they just refuse to stop. 
and if there's not been abuse of any type and somebody's willing to work, man, let's fight together um, because through Jesus, through spiritual maturing, through a faith community, um, a lot of marriages that could quit can make it. Uh, and when they do, the depth of love and the picture of God's love to the world they show is just incredible. Yeah, it's a cause worthy to fight for uh, for our marriages today, and that's obviously what we hope to do in this series is equip uh, some marriages to to get stronger and to stay healthy and and hopefully survive. You share Matthew five twenty seven and twenty eight, uh, where Jesus says, "You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart." Really powerful set of verses. It's it's, it's a strong verse from Jesus, and it speaks to the high bar that Jesus sets for avoiding sexual sin and temptation. It's becoming commonplace uh, today for people to live together before they get married. Why, in light of this set of verses, is that not the way God would want unmarried uh, unmarried couples to live? So when you look at the list of sexual sins in Scripture, and there are a lot, it is easier to say um, what honors God than what dishonors God. What dishonors God? About everything. Um, what honors God? What honors God is a man and woman who have who have made a commitment to one another that through thick and thin they're going to walk with each other for the rest of their life to love one another the way that Jesus loves each of them and through that relationship to experience and learn more about God's love than they could have alone. And to love one another in a way that no other human being on the face of the earth is to receive their love or to show them love. See, the the reason that the marriage relationship is supposed to be so strong is because it is it is the one person on the planet who will love you in a way that no one else is supposed to, and the one person on the planet that you will show love, show love to in a way that no other person is supposed to, and, and that's through sexual intimacy. But the sexual intimacy is a, is a sign. Um, it's a sign of the commitment that you've made. The sexual intimacy, like, like this ring, this ring um, is not my marriage. But this ring symbolizes that I'm married. It it means something to me. Um, expressing yourself through sexual intimacy is the act by which you say, I have committed my entire life and future and heart to you. I am totally vulnerable before you. And here's how that here's how I will show you that commitment, that vulnerability. And here's how I will show you that you can trust me with your whole self. We can be sexually intimate. When you have sexual intimacy without any of the long-term commitment, without any of the show of vulnerability, without any of the you can trust me with your vulnerability, basically you're in, you're being in, you're involving yourself in a physical act usually for your sensual pleasure, but it has nothing to do with telling someone this is this is me showing you how much you can trust me and how much I can trust you. Um, you, you have all of me and you can trust all of me. 
and when when people live live together before they're married, when when people play house, one if you just study the psychology and the demographics of it, um, I, I think people who live together before they're married are far more likely to get divorced than people who do not. And usually, people who live together before they're married are are sleeping in the same bedroom. Um, they are sexually intimate, and they basically are saying the intimacy and the sex come before the commitment. And I have this, but what you do not have from me is commitment or vulnerability. And it and it becomes um, so often living together before you're married becomes the stamp of conditional love on your relationship rather than unconditional love. Because what you're saying is, I am in this thing as long as you perform. But boy, the minute you disappoint me in any area of life, I can cu- I can cut and run without any damages or any commitment. Um, so God designed sex to be the greatest gift of commitment and vulnerability and trust that you could give someone. And when you give it to someone as just sex and none of those things, it's it's hard to ever figure out who you can be vulnerable with, who you can trust, and who you can commit yourself to. Because you've done that so many times, it's like, what's left? I, I sh- like I share my checkbook with them. Like, what, what's what's left? We 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 have the same insurance. What's left? We have a kid together. It's like, no, no, no. The one thing, the one thing you have to give someone to show your total commitment, to show your total vulnerability. And to ask someone to trust you to be vulnerable, the one thing you have is sexual intimacy. And you've given that to everyone without any commitment, vulnerability, or trust. So how do you, how do you know then what those things even feel like to be entrusted with or to give away? That, that's why it's so damaging spiritually. You lose, um, you lose the meaning of it, what it means in your soul and what it means to your spiritual understanding of life, commitment, vulnerability, and trust. When you just give it away for central pleasure. I've always been very vulnerable about this with my past. You know, Heather and I made decisions we wish we hadn't. We never officially moved in together. But as a dating couple, before we were Christians, and even early on in our Christian life, we made this mistake. And if there's one thing we could go back, we wish we could do, would be to undo that. Now, fortunately, a year and a half before we got married, we we made a decision to do the right thing to be remain pure. It was it was a battle, right? For those who are listening, who've maybe made a mistake, it's not easy. But we asked for God to forgive us. We took some steps to to make sure we were honoring God, and we really believe that when we stood there uh, at the altar, that in God's eyes we were virgins in his eyes, that we had said, forgive us, we had done our best. So if you're listening and you're thinking, I'm in the midst of this kind of situation, I've made this mistake, I want you to know God can forgive you, but it's an opportunity for you to take some steps to make the right decision. They're hard. I've had some tough decisions with people I love at our church and and in in extended family, Um, but You'll never regret taking good steps in this. Yeah, they're hard. They're financially difficult. If you're listening today and you're living with someone, you probably the the next step for you is not to pack your bags and move into your car before you figure anything out. But man, go like go go talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend, your fiance. Go talk to a pastor, spiritual leader, and just tell them I feel like to honor God, we need to make a change here. Help us, help us, help us put things in order here to honor God right. Now and I believe God will open doors to help you do that if if you will make that commitment. Absolutely. 
the uh, the next set of really powerful verses you share are Matthew five nineteen and twenty, and you say uh, again it says Jesus says for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what what defile a person. You point out that our hearts are broken and nobody can fix them but Jesus. There are people who are, are listening to this podcast today and they're not a believer in Jesus and, and maybe they're struggling with these areas. And then there are those who are listening to this podcast and they are believers and they are also struggling in these areas. Can, can you help point them to some ways they can ha- maybe have some daily victory over these broken heart issues that we all have? Yeah, so Paul told Timothy, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we our inner man, our spirit, our soul can be renewed every day. You say, how do I renew my broken heart every day? Yeah, you, by spending time with Jesus. And when you look at the spiritual disciplines, and Ryan, there's a bunch of them. I mean, the 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 first one that comes to mind, I think the greatest spiritual discipline for connecting your heart with heaven is prayer. Uh, usually it's one of the last ones that people do. It's easier to listen to a podcast than to pray. It's easier to uh, read your Bible than to pray. Um, it's easier to listen to some worship than to pray. But in all of those, in, in, in most of those things, your mind is working, but your heart is very silent. And in prayer, your heart speaks and your heart listens and your heart connects with heaven. So you say, man, I feel like outwardly um, in, my, in my flesh, I feel like my nature is all of this brokenness. How inwardly can I be healed every day? You just got to spend time with Jesus. And I would encourage you to, I would encourage you to start with a couple simple steps of, of spiritual disciplines. One prayer, talking to God every day, give God these things out of the heart. Come evil thoughts, murder, which we know comes from anger, adultery, which we know comes from lust, sexual immorality, which comes from lust and probably poor actions, theft, which comes from coveting, false testimony, lying usually comes from fear. Like if you can just go to God every day and say, God, I'm angry about, um, God, I'm lusting over, God, last night my actions were, um, God, the thing I'm coveting that's not mine, but I take it if I can um, God, the thing I fear, if you would just begin to unpack the emotions of your heart to God in prayer, you don't have to learn any fancy words. You don't have to pray any Bible verses. If you would just say, God, here's what I feel in my heart today. If you would pray daily, God would begin to heal your heart. If you would read scripture daily, specifically the four gospels of the new Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories about Jesus. If you would read scripture daily, and then after reading it, read a chapter of Jesus and then stop and try to watch it in your mind like a cartoon. Try to watch it in your mind like a like a television show. Try to see Jesus. Try to see the village. Try to smell the bread that he's breaking. If you would talk to Jesus, if you would read scripture, if you would meditate on Jesus, if you would listen to some worship music on the way to work, if you would get not just the Activate podcast, but maybe listen to some sermons on the way to work, on the way home, while you're working out on the treadmill, all of these ways are ways to take a life that outwardly is very, very broken, but inwardly can be being restored every day through a relationship with Jesus and a pursuit of trying to connect your heart to his spirit and heaven. Yeah, there's some some really great practical things that you can do. And I I, uh, I know every one of us who, uh, who've ever been on this microphone have had to, to do the same thing to battle through these things. Uh, last question, Pastor Christian. Fig, uh, fig leaf faith says it's all about me, and Jesus says it's all about them. 
you share two two great set of verses from Philippians two five through eight, and then Ephesians five twenty one through thirty two, and these paint a really really great picture of what marriage should look like to those around us in society, in our in our neighborhoods, in the workplace, really even in our churches. Why why now more than ever do our marriages need to look like this? Why why do young people who are not married but are are planning to one day? Um, hoping to one day need to prepare their hearts and minds to have a marriage like this. Well, Ryan, when, when you think about what we learn from marriage in Ephesians chapter five and we say, all right, what is it? What does it look like to love someone the way that Jesus loves you? I mean, the things we learn about the mystery of how Jesus loves us that we see in marriage or that we're supposed to see in marriage are just unbelievable. Um, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says great marriages, they, they look like this. Great marriages are people who say, I have found somebody that I'm willing to submit myself to. I have found someone I want to love by serving them the rest of my life. I have found someone I think I can make better spiritually. I have found somebody I'm willing to sacrifice my freedoms for. I have found somebody I'm willing to share the heartbeat of my life with. All of these are statements Jesus made about you, Ryan. Their statements Jesus made about me. Their statements Jesus made about Michelle, who helps us do the podcast, and Holland and Lindsay, who are the technical producers today. All of these are statements that Jesus makes about us. Jesus says, in you I have found someone I will submit my life for. In you I have found someone that I want to love by serving you. In you, I have found someone I can make better spiritually. In you, I have found somebody I'm willing to sacrifice my own personal freedoms for. In you, I have found somebody I'm willing to share the heartbeat of my existence with. Marriage is, marriage is not just finding the person you're attracted to who you like to laugh with. Marriage is finding the person that you want to do these things for. Marriage is finding the person you want to love like Jesus loves you. You want to submit. You want to serve. You want to make them better spiritually. You want to sacrifice for them. You want to share your life with them. When you find someone that you love like that, when you find someone who loves you like that, man, hang on to them and don't let go. And Philippians 2 says in every relationship you have, man, you should think about people the way Jesus thinks about people. And that's the way that Jesus thinks about people. So fig leaf faith, we talked about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden who fell into sin and were real ashamed. And then they found a fig leaf and they're like, mm, this isn't so bad. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing, but it's not so bad. So now I can present myself to God. Fig leaf faith says, uh, I'm a, like, I'm a sinner, but I'm okay with that. Um, and I'm going to choose to cover things up my way. God, I know how you wanted me to live your life, but I wanted that and this over here too. Um, fig leaf faith says, I'm going, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then I'm going to tell God to accept me anyway. Cause I got a fig leaf and I'm no need to be ashamed of how I want to live my life. That is not Christianity. Christianity is the heart of Jesus. It says it's not about me. It's about the will of God in my life and the plan of God in my life. Um, fig leaf faith, all about me. Um, God, I know you didn't want me to live this way, but I got my leaf, so now you got to accept me. Um, Jesus says, God, I'd, really, I'd rather not go to the cross, um, but if that's your will for me, um, I'll go. Uh, fig leaf faith says it's all about me. Um, Jesus faith says it's all about them. And I promise you, if, if this is marriage counseling for anyone who's listening today, you want to marry someone with Jesus faith, not fig leaf faith. 
Stay away from the it's all about me man. Stay away from the it's all about me woman. Um, go to the one who says, you know what, it's all about you. It's all about Jesus, which makes it all about you. Um, those are the, those are the people who have the healthiest, strongest marriages. Some really great uh, scriptures that you uh, share in Fig Leaf Faith. I encourage you to, if you haven't listened to the message yet, go back and listen to it. Really focus on some of the verses. They are challenging some of the first verses I ever read as a new believer that really helped shape me. And, and I really think think helped change the relationship Heather and I had as a dating couple, then as an engaged couple, and certainly has continued to guide us as a married couple. We've got Easter services coming up. Pastor Christian, verify that I've got these right. April 1st, Thursday night, 6.30. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> right. they, just, they usually tell me the week of when to show up and preach, but I think they're Thursday and Friday at 6.30, yep. April 1 and 2. Yep. Saturday, April 2nd, no, April 3rd, 2, 4, and 6. And then Sunday morning, I think we're going like 7, 9, 7, 8, 30, 10, 30, and noon. 10, 30, and noon. There you go. Nine of them. We'll verify that and make sure we have those right for you. Happy Easter. Take a nap. Yes. So we've got, uh, I believe that's nine services and uh, great opportunities for you to invite some friends and family. Uh, We want to continue to uh, share the love of Christ with people. So be sure to invite some. We'll look forward to see you uh, in person or online uh, for those services. Pastor Christian, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Uh, We we love to hear from you. Uh, We actually got a chance to hear from someone last week. It was great to kind of answer some of their questions. If you've got some that maybe we can answer in the future online uh, or on air, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.